scope change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it Why the world make me feel misguided? I can't hide it I'ma shake the globe change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it What's up everybody? This is the Misguided Podcast We intend to guide you to a better future The purpose of this podcast is to do exactly that We will dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and highlight what makes them successful, but also pinpoint mistakes they've made and how to improve them. Our goal is to make you start thinking about building generational wealth through business. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, please rate this podcast and leave a review. And now, let's get started. What's up, everybody? My name is Juwan Rohan, and this is the Misguided Podcast. We're intending to guide you to a better future. I'm sitting here with Angel Radcliffe, uh, business strategist and financial educator. How are you doing today? I'm amazing. How are you? Um, I am doing, let's say, busy. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I am busy. Uh, yeah, I had to take the kids to school this morning, and like it's their second day at school, so well, the uh, older one, but um, the lines are just crazy. Like traffic right now is just insane. So now I'm back home. I'm ready to get down to some business. How's your morning starting? Or I, what time is it out there? 11? It's noon. I'm on central time. So coming up on, on 12 o'clock, it's a rainy day in Dallas, Texas. Dallas. How long you been in Dallas? I've been in Dallas for a bit over 10 years now originally from Chicago and um, Dallas is, I have to say it's grown on me. When I first moved here, okay. I did not like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very slow city, uh-huh. still a slow city, but it's definitely growing. Definitely one of the top places to live right now. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I, I, I have my mixed emotions on Texas in general, um, but I've been there plenty of times and would travel there and had some some really interesting experiences and Dallas is not a big fan of Dallas, but I guess if you're there for 10 years, it has to grow on you in some type of way. You know, I'm a big fan of Austin. I love Austin. I do too. So I always tell everyone Austin is like a mix of, it reminds me of like Santa Monica Mm, and mm. college town. Yeah. That's like the vibes of Austin. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And yeah, I, I love how like vibrant it is. Right. Um, but yeah, that's cool. So um, originally from Chicago, you said? I am. Um, cool. And what what made you move to, to Dallas? Like, that's a huge culture shame, change, but like, oh. that's just a huge change. Let's see. <laughs> we don't have enough time on nah. this time. No. <laughs> you well, give me the bullet, the bullet points. <laughs> no, no, no. So I'll keep it short. Um, definitely, if and I don't know if you can relate, but I'm sure listeners can probably relate. Graduated from college and definitely just trying to figure out what you want to do with your life and not really being given that opportunity, of course, when you sort of grow up and especially as a first generation college student and you don't have anyone in your family to really guide you in a certain direction as far as what steps you should be taking. Uh, yeah. you're, you're sort of left figuring things out on your own. And that's where I was. I was I wasn't. I didn't have the guidance as far as like proper internships I should do to obtain a certain job. I wanted to work in corporate finance. Well, no one told me I should be like doing those internships in college. I was Mm -hmm. 
doing the things college students do. <laughs> uh-huh. And so when I graduated, it was like, oh, well, what, where did you intern? And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I mean, I worked in retail, but um, yeah, I ended up working in human resources, which is really insane. I had no human resource experience. It was my first job after college and I was unable to get the job I actually wanted. And I was being told you need experience. And I said, how do you get a job? How do you get the experience to get a job? If no one if gives no you the opportunity, yeah. right? And so um, I had a, a family member who lived in Texas. We came to visit around Christmas, which in Illinois it's freezing, blizzard, and we came to Dallas and it was eighty-five degrees. And I was like, I'm moving here. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it was a split decision. Within one month, I had uh, quit my job, packed my things, and moved to Texas. And, and my goal was, I should say I was enrolled in in a graduate program at the time. And my goal was to only spend six months in Texas. I said, let me just spend six months. It's a different environment. Maybe I'll meet some new people. Maybe there can be some different opportunities. Um, I went on maybe a few interviews, spoke with a few recruiters, started to attend some networking events. And within two weeks of living in Dallas, I ended up with a job at Coca-Cola in corporate finance, the Wait, same no job. Way. Coca-Cola. Yes. I, worked, I worked at Coca-Cola. I worked at Coca-Cola. Same job I've been trying to get for a year. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so I guess fate um, and from there sort of built my career and my professional network is here and yeah. a few business ventures, but uh, Dallas is cool. How, how long were you at Coke? I was there for two years before they sort of did a, a shift in their corporate finance department. They did some outsourcing to Guatemala and asked me to move to the corporate in Atlanta. And I was like, I just moved to Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, but it was actually fun. So a lot of uh, great people I met there and actually still talk to you today. That's cool. Yeah. I was at Coke for three years. Um, and uh, now I'm a realtor, but um, that's, that's crazy. Uh, how, so after Coke, where'd you go? Where'd you end up going? Ooh, so funny story. Uh, you know, and I'll sum it up. Career-wise, I always tell everyone working at Coca-Cola, um, being in a layoff at such a young age, I was maybe 25 years old. I had never been through a layoff. I know people 40, 50 years old that have never been through a layoff. It really lit a, a fire in me. Of course, that was around the time of the... Uh, recession that we were going through in this country. And it was taking a while to find another opportunity that would pay uh, very similar to what I was making. And um, I had always been an entrepreneur, always had these side hustles, but it really pushed me to um, be an entrepreneur full time. So I spent a year and a half running my own business. And my mom was a real estate agent in Illinois. And she would direct me to things I could do within real estate, which I know you mentioned that you're a notary. So then, yeah, (laughs) yeah, there were so many things you can do in real estate. And still now being a notary and working on loan closings and um, the amount of money that you can make doing that was substantial between I'd say 07 to 2011, um, where you can go sit at a signing and walk out with $300 that you can make in less than an hour. Um, and so I was actually doing that for a year, <laughs> making 7000 8000 a month um, with some other side hustles. So um, 
I, before the laws changed and doesn't that just what, open your eyes though it's like it shit you've never seen like that much money coming in and you're like i don't even know i wanted this much money but I, what do i do with it now like, <laughs> right where do I, I park it's it? like i was only really working like the last two weeks of the month because that's the time of the month people would yeah. refinance their loans and yeah the rest of the time i was traveling and living yeah. my life and then the laws changed and how much you could pass through to a borrower on their settlement statement and i was like all right probably should find another job so I ended up going to, um, ironically, work for Pepsi. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> I worked for Pepsi. I worked for Chiquita. I worked for a military brokerage. And then I, I transitioned out of corporate finance after seven years and into technology consulting, which I'm still doing today. But along that journey, I, I got into teaching financial literacy, uh, volunteering with a few nonprofits. And, and so that's been a journey in itself. Cool. So you said you're in technology uh, consulting. Is that with a company, your own company? Let's let's get into No, that. it is with a company. Okay. I cannot cannot mention it's a global tech tech company, and um, I work in financial transformation. So really working with large Fortune 100, 500 companies and their accounting finance departments, transforming um, their accounting processes specifically related to SAP. So that's my specialty. Okay. What made you so like seeing how well the entrepreneurship was going? What made you continue to just like, I don't know if it's a nine to five or you're a contracted, but what made you continue to work for a corporation? So there's some meat there. <laughs> so yeah. we can I always say keep your nine to five, right? In quotations, as long as you can. But uh, well, I would love well, to hear your, your opinion. Right. And I have my own theory. Everyone has their own theory. I say a nine to five is also a stream of income. Mm -hmm. So some people don't view it that way. Some people will say, quit your job, do your side business. Of course, I've done that before. I tell everyone I was a full-time entrepreneur two times in my life. One time involuntarily when I was laid off from Coca-Cola. The second time voluntarily in 2015, I actually quit my job. When I left, I left corporate finance. I knew I didn't want to work in corporate finance anymore. I wanted to do something a bit more exciting. I've always had a love for technology as well. And I wasn't receiving those opportunities at the place I was working. So just put my foot out to my networking, letting them know what I wanted to do and what my mm -hmm. interests were and doing some upskilling on my own. But I took a year off in 2015 to work on my branding for uh, my pod, not my podcast. I didn't have the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but working on my branding. So for, on the financial literacy side. And so I knew I wanted to brand myself. I didn't know how and at that time, I saw so many people like branding themselves and they had the blogs and, and I was like, how do you do this? And I started live streaming. And from there came courses and books and partnerships. And I was working with credit bureaus and I had sponsorships and influencer deals. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely amazing. And opened my eyes to so many things and so many different streams of income. Um, and what I was doing on a volunteer basis, as far as speaking on financial literacy, I then started to charge and host workshops. And that had never really crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something before we started recording as far as um, surrounding yourself with certain people. I had started to surround myself with a different group of people. So people who had a different mindset, people who were mm -hmm. thinking in this entrepreneurial mindset or who were driven to earn multiple streams of income when they would come to me and say, you're giving all of this information away for free. Do you know people will pay you for this? And I'm like, what? This, you can find this on the internet. Yeah. And someone told me like, well, honestly, you can find anything on the internet. Um, 
people still buy books, but you can still find that book on the internet. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And I, I never thought about it that way. And I was like, you have a point here. So, um, so, so really that year was so transformative for me and really figuring out the things that I wanted to do, how I wanted to live my life and my purpose. But also since I was a first generation college student, I have people in my family who look up to me. I have nieces, nephews, I have 10 nieces and nephews, I have siblings, and I'm always stressing a message to them to, you know, stay in school, do the best they can. Of course, college is not for everyone. Some people will be successful on the entrepreneurial path, but I wanted to prove that you can do both and you can be successful in both. And I've never, I've never really hated working in corporate America. I had some challenges getting to the point of doing the things that I wanted to do. And so I had to do some self-reflection and saying, okay, why was I having these challenges and what was really stopping me from advancing? And one of those things was not building my networks properly. And I think that is a huge hindrance, especially in the African-American community, because sometimes we push people away, whereas maybe we're not showing up at the happy hours or we're not as open. And so can we dive into that a little bit more? Can we dive into maybe like- We can. The, <laughs> Some people the... don't realize like your network is your net worth. And I it dawned on me and I was like, you know what? I was so successful that year of branding. And I was like, well, if I can be successful at this, I can be successful in corporate. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's definitely true. What what do you think was holding you back from building that work, network? Like, and I wanna, and I wanna know from a, a women in business standpoint, Um, Do you think it had anything to do with you being a woman in the corporate world? Well, I do think being a woman, definitely being a minority woman, um, working in in finance, you don't see a lot of women, you don't see a lot of minority women, you see white male. And what's ironic to that technology (laughs) is the same way. Mm. you're just now starting to see more minorities in technology and all Mm. these STEM programs, but, but there's some of the same challenges. And actually I was just uh, featured in an article on Yahoo Finance on that, on leadership and discuss some of those, those challenges. So that would be a good read for anyone who's, who's wanting to look into that, but. Can you send me that after I'll put it in the show notes? Definitely. Definitely. But but one thing that I realized is that I wasn't being open. And I think sometimes in our communities, we're taught, you know, you're not supposed to be at work to make friends or you don't tell people your business, which you, you don't have to. And, and I always say there's a fine line. So there's a certain way to do things. And maybe sometimes we're not necessarily taught the proper way to build those relationships without delving so much into the details of our personal lives. So it's either from what I've seen with people in my network, either they completely close themselves off or they're extremely way too open. And then either way, either extreme, they're X out of that promotion or X out of that, that circle at work. So I've seen some crazy things <laughs> with uh, people getting, you know, maybe drinking a bit too much at the happy hours or um, even just declining coming to the, the company party or whatever it is. But, but I always say give a little bit. You don't have to tell people your entire life or what you did for the weekend, but say hello and be friendly and open the door for those relationships and invite someone for coffee. There's certain things that you can do to keep a professional relationship. And I was never taught those things. So I I had no idea. And I was like, okay, I was failing 
so bad in that department and relationship building is it's a huge impact, especially if you're wanting to advance your career and you're wanting to move into leadership or to that executive level. No one wants someone in a position who's bad at <laughs> being mm. personable. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's like society really teaches us the opposite. Right. They teach us like to write someone off the moment they, you know, say something weird or the way they look. Right. They, they always um, teach us to like judge and, and separate ourselves in a way. And so uh, what I try and preach is that you need to put yourself in as many different groups as possible. You need to be able to get along with many different people. For me, it's important to be able to sit in a room full of all white people and not feel uncomfortable. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like I, I can do that and I know how to act. I know how to, you know what I mean? <clears throat> now there's a difference of like, you know, being treated differently. Right. But, um, just a lot of people <clears throat> from, sorry, from our neighborhoods would be scared as shit to go sit in, at a table and talk business with some white people. Right. Like that's just, that's just unheard of. Right. Um, right. <laughs> and, and so like, I, I always preach like you have to learn how to put yourself in a different environment. And, and that's really the best education. Um, it is understanding different cultures, being comfortable to have a conversation, because sometimes, especially if you if you grew up in a more urban community, we sometimes look at other races as people are out to get us. And that's not always the case. Yeah, that's And so yeah. and I can say growing up, I never had the exposure of being in diverse environments. I was more so an introvert. What's really ironic as you grow up and you look at how you change, you do that self-reflection. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, one of my girlfriends. We've been friends since we were 12 years old and we were just reflecting on the changes we've made throughout life. And I was such an introvert. I would never talk to anyone. And, and she was like, she was like, I can't believe that you're doing all these things. She was like, you were never the type to go and talk to anyone. And I can walk in a room and, and literally talk to anyone, any, <laughs> any race, any sex yeah. about any topic. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy yeah 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 no you need you need that in your arsenal you need that in your tool of bags but mm -hmm. um I feel it I feel it so how were you actually first introduced to financial literacy I will say realizing um in my in my 20s facing the reality that I was in debt um I graduated college of course with student loan debt but where'd also you go massive credit card debt I went to Illinois State University Mm -hmm. And so um, after that, I picked up a graduate program at DePaul, did not finish at DePaul. I finished at an online program at Strayer University, took out student loans for that particular program, which if I could go back and turn back the hands of time, I would have waited. Yeah, that don't teach you a, not to take out student right? loans. Right. <laughs> I would have went through an employer-sponsored program or something. But um, it, in my mind, I was thinking like, okay, the faster I can get a degree and the faster I can get an advanced degree, the more money I can make, which is not always true. Now, and you're then, probably not even doing anything with your degree. Are you? What was your degree? Um, my degree is business management oh, okay. and my master's is an MBA. So oh, yeah. it, it, there's some things where it you're, comes you're one play, of the rare but... people. You're one of the rare <laughs> people. I, I, I like talk to people all the time who don't do anything with their degree. And the best, the best reason to go to college was just to meet people and network. Oh, well, you know, I think I will say working in tech now, of course, there's 
people in tech who don't have a master's degree. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I was on the financial side, of course, several people on the financial side, they were working on their master's and even going towards their CFP. And, and so um, at that particular time, when I was on that career track, it was definitely needed for me to advance. But um, looking back and self-reflecting, I was like, oh my gosh, but uh, I can't cry over spilled milk. But, but really realizing that I was in debt and I didn't know how to get out of debt. It was always like I'd pay off a bill and then I'd accumulate another bill. And it was a cycle. It was an ongoing cycle until I was maybe 27 or 28 years old. And I was like, how the heck do I get out of this? And had a conversation with a coworker who was older than me. She was in her forties at the time. And I'm thinking, okay, this lady's older than me. She must know what to do or how to guide me. (laughs) That's not always true. Someone who's older doesn't necessarily have the information to guide you. Her and her husband were also in debt. Outdated information. Yes. Yep. Outdated information. Her and her husband were in debt. They were getting ready to go through a foreclosure. And I was like, what in the heck? And so really, um, I started to go through my own process of getting out of debt. And teaching myself because I realized so many people didn't know. And then I was like, people don't talk about money. People are not talking about financial issues. I was asking my friends, well, how much, how much are your credit card payments? How much are your debt payments? How much is your car payment? And those aren't conversations that we normally have. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we need to normalize that because I was realizing like, <laughs> no, it was just like so hush hush. And when we started to, to have those conversations, we realized, okay, maybe one person maybe had too high of an interest rate. One person went to one of those um, buy here. What did they call it? Buy here, pay here, loan place, oh, car loan places. Lo- uh, cash advance. The, yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it called? Like the, like, I don't want to name a hard name money loans place. pretty much. Well, it's a car lot where you pay weekly. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. That's but, crazy. But yeah, so people were in, in these crazy financial situations, but no one had ever discussed it. And so when I worked to get myself out of debt, and really understood what the credit score meant and how much money I should be saving because I had zero money in savings. I'm not ashamed to admit it because, you know, I use my story to teach other people. I did not start building a solid savings until I was almost 30 years old. It was always like I would get my bonus from work. And of course I could- Where we going, girls? Mexico. (laughs) I could stick that in savings, but I was like, okay, I'm going to pay off this credit card. And then it was like, run it back up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't traveling, but yeah, it was, or it was like shoes in the closet. I, at one point, I probably had 200 pairs of shoes in my closet when I was 25 or 26. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but really just going through that journey myself of getting out of debt and then realizing so many people didn't have the information. And I said, okay, I'm going to start teaching other people how to get themselves out of debt, how to understand their credit report. And that's how the volunteerism uh, came with the nonprofits, local nonprofits here in Dallas. There's one in particular I've been volunteering with for over 10 years, Attitudes and Attire. And it, it's sort of bloomed from there. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're 100% right. Money is a taboo, t- uh, taboo topic and, and a lot of people don't talk about it. Um, and I think just even the simple, co- simple conversations um, and talking more about money and how to navigate money um, can really help with like starting a lot of people in their journey to financial literacy, right? Financial freedom. Um, so yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, and I mean, that's part of the reason why I wrote the the book Money Talks um, and made it so simple to understand. Like it's a it's literally just a conversation between two kids 
um, talking about money and one kid is teaching the other kid. But I did that because I realized that a lot of people don't want to talk about their finances. A lot of people, when, when I ask, you know, how much do you make? They don't want to be honest. Or how much are you in debt? They don't want to be honest, right? So when you start to be honest and, and transparent, right? It's about transparency. When you start to be honest and transparent with yourself, but with others as well, um, you can kind of really start to solve your problems a lot easier instead of hiding it and, you know, putting a bandaid on it. So that is definitely true. And there's so many yeah. people who definitely don't, they don't want to discuss how much they have saved up for retirement or 401k. I ask my friends all the time, how much are you saving or at, at, especially in your thirties, you should have a little bit saved up. If you've been working since you were 22, some people haven't been working uh, since they were 22, but, but let's say someone who's been working straight out of college, went to school at that normal age, 18 to 22, and you've been contributing. I always ask, how much do you have saved? And some people are like, well, why, why are you in my business? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. do you want to discuss this and make sure you're on the right track? Because yeah. I, over the years, and as I've learned, I, I max out my 401k. I put the IRS maximum in there every year. I take advantage of every tax deduction I can. And um, what's what's really crazy is I had this goal a few years ago. You talked about why did I go back to corporate? And I talked about how I wanted to be successful in both. Well, initially, when I went back to corporate, the goal was because I was bootstrapping my business, right? And I was like, okay, this lifestyle is not for me. I'm tired of being broke. I need money. <laughs> but um, initially I was like, okay, I'm only going to go back for a year or two. And then I'll go back to full-time entrepreneurship. And, and then it really dawned on me in those two years, like I can be successful in both. So that's why I was like, there's a lot of meat when I was saying there's a lot to unpack. But, but I said, if I can go back and I can save a hundred thousand dollars, then, you know, I'm going to leave corporate, yada, yada, yada. That's a good cushion. And so mm -hmm. I set that as a goal and I was able to save $100,000 in a year and a half. And I'm still at the company <laughs> three yeah. and a half years later. And my friends are like, well, you said you were going to quit. <laughs> That's crazy. So you saved hundred K. Is this like in your savings? Are you talking about 401k? And so all that, that was, that was not including investments or 401k. That was like savings. I was able to save That's 40 to 50% of what each were you paycheck. Eating? What were you eating? <laughs> Did you eat? <laughs> That's a good question. But yeah. I was, I was like so disciplined and I was like, okay. And that's another thing when you're wanting to save, you have to be disciplined to reach your goals. And so I was like, okay, no, no getting my nails done. I was doing my own hair. I cut, I cut cable in 2015. I, I sacrificed so many things. Can like, you send okay, me I'm these selfies of your, hair, of your hair when you did it yourself? <laughs> I'm going to just put it as your name right here for oh you my too. Goodness. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I can save 40 to 50% of each check and I can be good and max out. I was max. I didn't start maxing the 401k until maybe a year later, but putting mm -hmm. sizable amount into the 401k and some other investments. And, and then I was like, well, wait a minute. Well, my life is pretty good. I'm able to balance both because I had changed my business model to where I was no longer, I don't, I don't necessarily do one-on-one -on -one with people for financial literacy. I don't charge consumers. That's not that's not a part of uh, what I do. I most more so host workshops for organizations and, and speaking engagements. And so um, anytime I'm hosting a workshop for consumers, it's probably free. Or of course, there's like free information online. I feel like I don't want to go out here and charge someone $500 and they're in debt. <laughs> 
trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to get out of debt and like, yeah, let me charge you $501,000, sign up for my class. I feel like that's completely ridiculous. But, yeah, <laughs> but, well. but you know, a lot of the things that I was doing, I was like, okay, I'm able to do this and still work a corporate job and, and have residual income. Um, from from some of the things I'm doing, especially you know having having the books and some digital courses and and some of the projects that I have in the works, but um, but but it, it's so amazing that I try to tell other people like you can do the same thing. You can set a system up. You can use the skills that you have or the knowledge that you have, and and build out a side hustle or another business and and get out of debt or whatever your goals are. Retire early, pay off your home or whatever the goal end goal is yeah no you're 100 percent right i dig it thank you for being uh open about your story um um i want to jump into the hella misguided segment where i ask the same question to every entrepreneur that comes up here um and that question is if you were to write a letter to your 18 year old self what would be a summary of that letter oh man Ooh. Mm -hmm. i would say I'm going to do the summarized version. So I'll do the cliff notes, the bullet points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll say save your money. Okay. Guard your heart. Okay. Invest in the stock market. Yep. Travel. Okay. The wor- travel the world, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so I, this is the last one that I will add on here. And so one of my good friends lives by this phrase where he says, get your money up front. Okay. Get your money up that, front. Does that mean so, pay yourself first? Not well, when we're talking about savings, it does. So in his philosophy, it means taking on those positions. And I wish I would have known this in my twenties. So taking on those positions that actually are paying a lot of money so that you can save on the front end and do what you really want to do on the back end of life. So, and, and I teach this to my mentees who are maybe wanting to come into technology consulting because it, it pays a substantial amount of money for someone who's coming out of school, 22 years old, can come out making 80, $90,000 and they may want to be a singer or a dancer or go to law school and say, like, hey, do this for, I don't know, three, four years, save, save some money. And then go do what you really want to do. You have a nice cushion. You don't have to get into debt. But I wish I would have known that in my 20s. But he, one of my friends lives by that phrase. And I'm like, love it. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love that. Get your money up front. I, love, I mean, because yep. it, it could apply to so many different situations, right? Like I it thought can. it was pay yourself first. And then I mean, you it can. That. And you no, definitely no, should yeah. pay yourself first when you're budgeting. So yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. No, that's great advice. Great advice. Cool, cool. Um, I do want to talk about your books. Um, you have two books, Balling on a Budget, Upfront, and Entrepreneur's Quick Start Guide. So I believe I heard of Balling on a Budget a while ago. I don't know how. Don't ask me. Uh, but I, I swear I heard this title before. So can you dive into this one first? Let's talk about this. Sure. So Ballin' on the Budget is actually the first uh, book that I published in 2016. It's actually a financial workbook. So back when I was live streaming, I used to have a theme for every day I would get on live stream. And I don't know if you remember Periscope, but I, I used to be on there every day and I would do Ballin' on a Budget Wednesdays. And I said, you know what, I'm going to turn this into a workbook. Because in my workshops, I didn't necessarily have 
uh, anything besides like a traditional handout. So I turned a lot of those handouts into an, into a workbook. And so it's now something that I use. I typically will donate to um, nonprofits or when I'm, when I'm going into a speaking engagement, organizations will buy so many for the attendees, but it walks you through those foundational steps of creating a budget and some different ways. I always say, think outside the box, some different ways and strategies that you can um, start to save money. Um, and your budget definitely should start on paper before moving to that electronic format. So it just walks you through, through those, again, foundational steps. Um, the other book, Upfront and Entrepreneur's Quick Start Guide came out literally a few months later and it's uh, co-authored with two other entrepreneurs. So it is a few chapters on, I don't want to say minor, major things you need in your business. So we talk about marketing, business strategy, business credit, that's my favorite, and tools you, you can use for your business. I always say it's more like a pocketbook for entrepreneurs, but okay. I have two other books that I'm working on. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't disclose that yet. What they are. Well, one I can sure. So, so one book, um, it's a collaboration with a therapist that is called developing a money mindset. Ooh, and that book will be out. That is fire. Yes. That sounds like some Charlemagne, the God type stuff. <laughs> it will be out um in a few months and so we've been working on this all summer and um the other one is more of a financial affirmation book i don't really want to release the name just yet because i don't have a release date okay but um but a few projects so many so many projects that i'm working on so i'd say for people listening just to sort of stay tuned yeah that's wow i'm very intrigued and i definitely want to uh read that book um you know i that's another thing that's overlooked in this in our community is is therapists right and and um you know I've been seeing a therapist and, and working on like my anxiety because I get so much anxiety you know trying to navigate through all these businesses and sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough when I'm like doing way too much and so I just think therapy is like so overlooked um it's definitely helped me see a different perspective you know you don't have your friends and family in your ear telling you from a biased point of view so how do you feel about therapy have you been so I will say I think everyone should have a therapist a non-biased person to speak to I've definitely um, have I'd say at the beginning of the pandemic I definitely had to have someone on speed dial (laughs) I didn't know what the heck was happening in this world I was like what the heck but um but but definitely and and so your mental health also affects the way that uh, it impacts the way that you're spending your money so in turn, your overall finances, and that's something that we talk about in the book. So think about the people who are going through um, a death in a family or a divorce, or even if they just have mental problems in general and go on that mm-hmm. downward spiral, or some people really use shopping as a method of coping, or yeah. they use gambling or drinking and drugs. And so that definitely impacts finances. And so we touch on a few things of of how that really impacts finances and and even going through a phase of like unlearning because we were taught so many things as we grow up. And sometimes as you become an adult, you figure out your parents didn't really know what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that also maybe causes you to um, have poor financial habits and maybe end up in therapy as well. But yep. No, you're 100% right. 100% right. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm excited to uh, to read read your your up and coming book and 
Um, it looks like your other two books are, are doing well for you. Um, is there anything else that you, oh, let's talk about your podcast really quickly. Um, do you want to share what, what your podcast is about? Sure. So the podcast is Milestones, Motivation, and Money. And the podcast came about from a Facebook group by the same name. Uh, the Facebook group has been around for a few years from my live streaming days. Of course, you have to have somewhere to push your audience. And we would do challenges and, and free like financial um, workshops in there and speaker having speakers. But um, I wanted to do something a bit different. And so I had the podcast on the list for a few years. I started it last year and we're in season two. So we're getting ready to wrap up season two in the next month or so. Um, I would say, and a, a good summary would be the podcast encompasses not only the mindset for the business owner, but also consumers. So focusing on lifestyle, resiliency, finance, of course, business topics. I love other people to share their stories. It's very much an interview style. So mm -hmm. I'm always having some great people on and, and speaking about finances. I know that your topics are, are very heavily geared towards like financial literacy. Um, the last few topics of the podcast have been geared towards investing financial literacy. The most recently released episode was on real estate investing. I've had uh, Terry Egioma on, not sure if you're familiar with her, but she came on and discussed investing with the stock market. So I've had some really amazing guests on the show, but from all, I'd say various aspects of finance. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Cool, cool. Um, well, I look forward to, to listening and I definitely saw that real estate one. I'm, I'm definitely, that's gonna be the first one I check out. So um, the audience to, that's listening, make sure you go check out her podcast. Um, and then can you let, um, everyone know where they can reach you and get a hold of you, Instagram. Sure. I'm on all social media as Miss RMBA, M I S S R M B A. The website is the same. So Miss RMBA.com or angelradcliffe.com. And anyone that has questions, feel free to reach out. Just shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I am very active on my Instagram stories. Probably mm. a little bit more than uh, Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> One question. How come you don't have your Instagram as your name? It was super hard to find you. Really? Yeah. You should, you should make it at Angel Radcliffe. No, the, I, I meant the, uh, the username. Now you're making me pull it up and look at it. Yeah, because you have it as Miss Rem Remba. I would change it to Miss RMBA. Well, I, I do have another um, Instagram where I secured my name because I've, I've been using that username across social media for like six years. So oh, okay. yeah, that makes sense. I don't want to change it. <laughs> no, that yeah, sense. that's where everybody, I'm like, everybody knows me by that, that username. So I'm like, I don't want to change it just yet. But, but I have went, went ahead and secured Angel Radcliffe. So just in case, whenever I do decide to transition. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Cool, cool. Uh, one more question. I, I like to wrap up the episode with a guided conclusion section um, where I ask a question that we haven't talked about previously. Um, it could be funny, serious, or heartbreaking. I don't know. No, <laughs> But uh, no, this question is, what's the number one step a beginner can take to creating wealth? I would say the number one step is 
sitting down and having a holistic view of your finances. So understanding where you are. So whether if it's in your budget, what your overall uh, income is, take home pay, what your investments are, and then what is your debt? So you have to have that holistic view of everything before you can even create that plan to wealth, to building wealth, I'd say. Facts, facts. Um, a plan, but also education, I'd add. Um, you definitely have to learn, you know, first and, and learn on how you're going to take those steps and plan and structure, right? So, yeah, you got to yeah. learn, but you also have to understand where you are. So it's like, you yeah. can learn all day, but then you learn it and then you log in your, in your accounts. You're like, wait a minute. I didn't know I was a million dollars in debt. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully you don't fall into that situation, (laughs) but uh, yeah, that's, that's very true. Well, uh, Angel, I appreciate you coming up on the zoom call today um, to talk for a little bit. Um, I wish we had more time to talk, but I could always just bring you back up here. Um, So um, any, any last words to the audience? I do. So for anyone who's listening, who hasn't taken that first step to building their budget, which I always say is the foundational step to everything in finances, it's very simple. So you can start today, set those weekly reminders up on your phone to review your transactions, make sure that you're setting your goals, make sure that you are building those financial boundaries and embracing the next step so um that's all i have so i love to come back and discuss another topic so this is a great conversation thank you for having me of course of course we'll keep in touch well you guys heard it here this is the misguided podcast we intend to guide you to a better future my name is juan and i appreciate it if you guys like and subscribe thank you maybach music Three passports, three first class tickets to the money, straight flights. I live by the cold wardrobe from around the globe. All I need is a kilo of apron, show me the stove. General Electric perfected cooking them O's. No more peanut butter sandwiches, now we looking at loaves. Hoes, I need a condom for my toast. Busting in these niggas, standing flat footed, I'm on my toes. Froze, pandemonium overdose, paparazzi in the trees, please, curtains closed, armadillo cigars, killers who like to play golf, heroin transactions with Russian shots of the Smirnoff, playing for keeps, I bust in them before she get off, huh. I run the city, just pull up and drop the kid off, ha. Welcome to organized crime, money got me excited, I'm coming four or five times The 45 for you niggas with nine lives Penthouse on Collins, money long as Ocean Drive Black Chevy Tahoe, stations about to pothole My place spacious, smoking aces and Lagos Feds get involved, I'm slipping off in the synagogue Issue your warrant, informant, and bitch I been a boss Count money stacks, yours counterfeited I made my money back, when your accountant didn't Win against the odds, it's only one rose My nigga, okay I got a penny in my pocket, million in the trunk Started in the back, now we the niggas in the front Step out on the block, all the bitches, they still in shock Get a piece of pussy, then take my niggas to shop Pandemonium, causing pandemonium Half a million for the same car we rolling, rolling. Pandemonium, pandemonium Yeah, 
We the number one niggas, your bitch notice it. Huh. Million ways to make this money, you gon' get it. On the grind 24-7, I'm with it. Why sell swagger? Wrist wear frigid. Jumping out the phantom like a motherfucking midget. Money knocking at the front door, I'm like a wizard. It's Benji, tell my little nigga, go and get it. Cause I've been counting all this dirty paper for a minute. Lamborghini dreaming, thinking how I'm gon' spin it. I'm like, one's for the money. Two's for the show of it, three's for the bitches that be fucking for the whole of it, four for my niggas that be stacking in and blowing it. You would think I had a curfew the way I'm going it. Look at what we rolling it, causing pandemonium. Poppy got them keys in, he like my custodian. I was trying to bag a brick, you was Nickelodeon. I was in them trenches getting down and dirty serving it. Where's part the reason that them churches got some services? The more could afford just cause we was doing the murdering. Nigga call my phone talking reckless, I ain't heard of it. Fuck your girl, give her back, I'm courteous. I could keep a secret with Vicky, have a menage with Nikki, you be all under with Lauren and tell him Megan good morning. Catch me rolling with Kelly or at the hill and with pass from Hollywood to the hood. I want a mom and I swear that I want a mile. Wanna fuck a mile. Had my niggas down, so I'm screaming, fuck the law. Monday night wrestling, I'm so fucking raw. She gon' wipe me down. I'ma brush her off, I'm way harder than the concrete I say with my mind speak, word to the homie Ross I can get that nine piece, for the low that nine cheap Call me if you wanna hate to see me and I'm stunned Got them sick to their stomach ha. I got a penny in my pocket, huh. million in the trunk huh. Started in the back, now we the niggas in the front Woo. Step out on the block, all the bitches they still in shock Woo. Get a piece of pussy, then take my niggas to shop huh. Pandemonium, causing pandemonium Half a million for the same car we rolling in Pandemonium, pandemonium We the number one niggas, your bitch notice Yeah, huh. whole time you see that fly shit I been on All the girlfriends fall in line from my spinoff That's game bitch, ain't shit Nudies and some J6 Wound from his cold and niggas get at you like handkerchiefs God bless you unless you is disrespectful it disappoints you, but money won't ever stress you <laughs> They say I'm specialist, devil has to on fourth down So all that shit you niggas kicking, we ain't worried about Catch me out that curry out, mumbo sauce and half and half Flies nigga, out shit, period, no maxi pad Bitch, I gotta write the brag, bitch, I gotta write the boast Presidential suite and bitch, I never use my right to vote My vision enormous, my bitches is gorgeous And I am dead serious, bitch, I spit with embalming Shout out to Lil G, shout out Trey and Muhammad that be your way, shit, we get paper death over the sauna I'm known as Obamas, though I know no one in Congress These bitches let me order where you got sorters and condoms Sort of remind you why you don't court no vagina Just give them awesome intercourse and ignore their inquires Quietly becoming the top tier You dreamed of getting cream, best believe I'm John Deere Snip, greenish Montclair shit Earth tones in the winter, Perk Road in the Rello I am on my John Lithgow out of this third rock, nigga, air it out I am on my time, Brady, y'all niggas is Eric Crouch With the blood clot, Tommy Frazier, fuck us up I can't see your album coming, that shit's like a sucker punch Here for breakfast, fuck for lunch, dinner time she bring a friend Write my shit so vicious, y'all like snitches, y'all can't see the pen Always in some new shit, CNN Shitting on these niggas like I need to pay. I got a penny in my pocket, huh? million in the trunk. Huh? Started in the back, now we the niggas in the front. Step out on the block, all the bitches they still in shock. Get a piece of pussy, then take my niggas to shop. Huh? Pandemonium, causing pandemonium. Half a million for the same car we rolling in. Pandemonium, pandemonium.
We the number one niggas, your bitch notice it. Payback music.